Welcome to The Problem, a Lockwood & Co. podcast. I'm Caitlin. I'm Alan. And this week we're talking about episode two, Let Go of Me, which was directed by William McGregor and written by Joy Wilkinson and Kara Smith. Yeah, that's how, I guess they they both wrote it. That's how it appears in the credits. And uh, I know that, oh man, why is his name going right out of my head? Joe? Showrunner, Joe Cornish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I heard an interview with him where he said that he doesn't consider himself the showrunner. He really doesn't like that term. And so he said, like, I'm the writer and director of episodes, like the first and the last. Mm-hmm. And everybody else, it's like their show when they're on, when right. they're doing their thing, which is cool if it's true. Um, I think it's cool if, as long as, I don't know, I do kind of feel like when you're making one cohesive thing, you do need, you, you need like somebody who has the vision. Yeah. You know what I mean? And do I necessarily think that person should be quote unquote in charge or making more money than everybody else or whatever? I, I, what do I know about any of that? I am not involved in the movie industry at all, but I don't know. It makes sense to me that somebody having like an overarching view of where we're starting and where we're going and what we want to hit in the middle. I don't know. Oh yeah. Definitely needs to be there as like the keystone. I think this one does feel different from the first one. And I like appreciate the, I guess, artistic room that was given. And so I'm excited to talk about it. William McGregor, by the way, directed most of his dark material season one when it was Will's world stuff. Oh, okay. Yes. I liked that. Yes. Yeah. There is a lot of crossover, I find. Well, I guess that just sort of happens when, or I have found that it happens when you watch a bunch of kind of similar English TV shows. You know, if you watch all the fantasy English TV shows, you'd be like, oh, I recognize that name and that name and that name. It's kind of like if you watch a lot of shows filmed in Vancouver, you recognize all the extras. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because there's like five people they use over and over and over again. (laughs) Yep, they've got a little cottage industry going over there in England. Yeah. Uh, for fantasy TV, it's very, very cool. Shall we Shall we just jump in? Yeah, so we really do jump in very deep to be underwater. I love this opening scene. It's great. It's beautiful. It's And we get this look at Annabelle looking like alive. And yeah. it really sets up... I don't even know how to describe it. It isn't... That she necessarily looks similar to Nori, but she kind of does. Oh, yeah, I think that's a choice. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They did a really good job with the casting there. Or maybe just the way that they cut her hair. I'm definitely one of those people where hair makes a huge difference. You change one thing about a person's hair and it's it's a different human being for me. (laughs) I've had problems with this in like real life. No, it's huge in the show. Like we said last time with Lucy's haircut, it makes her look like a 10 year old. Yeah. You know, when she had that bad haircut. (laughs) But yeah, uh, this image for me where they're like, it's Annabelle and Lucy kind of parallel to each other hanging in the water Mm -hmm. is for me the first mirror image that we get in this episode. Right. And I will say mirror so many times in this episode that if you take a shot every time, you will be a ghost by the time we're done with this. So so it's 9 a.m. And well, in my time zone while we're recording this, so I'm not going to take a shot of anything. <laughs> Just got up. 
It's too early. Too early. And we go from being underwater to like waking up to a house on fire. So we go from like water to fire. Ooh, now and then just the drums and roll air. in. Yeah. Sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> we go right to credits. Yeah. I think this is a really strong like two minutes opener thing. I do too. And we get that really nice shot just confirming that Lucy has the ring in her hand. Because I could see where if we went from fire to hospital, it could be confusing about how she still has it. So I think that oh, was a good yeah. shot. And that she can't find Lockwood and she's like screaming his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we're... We also get Deeprak shows up. They're oh, like, yeah. don't worry, everything's okay. <laughs> she's like screaming <laughs> more. She's like, where are you, Lockwood? Yeah, and it felt the so useless much... useless grown-ups have arrived. It felt so much like... Um, Oh, what's that company from Monsters, Inc.? You know, yeah. when there's like a sock on the dude <laughs> showing up. Like they had that. that <laughs> it, it's a child. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, yeah. Perfect. Uh, so, yeah. After the opening credits, we. Is this when we meet Barnes? Uh, we roll straight into the hospital. Oh, with, right, right, right. Um, the hospital. Okay. Yes. Yes. So the nurse walks in and calls Lucy the wrong name. Yeah, Mrs. Lockwood. And she's like, er, uh, uh, not, 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 not me. I'm his partner. I mean, not his partner. I mean, uh, uh. Yeah. It's but good. It also, she does seem like, what is she to Lockwood? Because we, we can assume. I that think that's has, what this whole episode is. Yeah, exactly. But we can assume that there has been like some time between her being hired and them going after, going on like their first big job together. And she's like, coworker, colleague. I don't know about yeah. friend, you know, like it's, it's interesting. And then we get that moment where her mom continues to be the worst, even though she's not even in this episode. <laughs> the nurse calls the mom and then she's like, oh no, is she coming? And the nurse is like, oh, she doesn't give a shit. It's fine. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Which is worse. Yeah. It's, it's great how confirming that Lucy's worst fear isn't coming true is somehow even worse. Like, yeah. Oh. God, I hate that. What woman. do you think she is exactly afraid of when she, like, with that whole situation? Because I was trying, I was thinking about it when I was rewatching it, and she's scared. Is she scared that her mom is going to take her away or know where she is? I'm, like, I'm trying to figure out what exactly she is afraid of with her mom, or if she even knows what she is afraid of. I do think that because she's still underage and not fully qualified, her mom can demand that she not work. And can't, or if she do, is working, can't demand that Lucy's money goes to her. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Like, take her resources out from under her. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And then she uh, she runs into a room full of ghost lock kids. She does steal the daisies first. She sees some daisies and is like, yeah. oh, I must have these daisies. But yeah, no, the ghost lock ward, that is so creepy. And fucked up. Yep. Really Where fucked up. there's like... It doesn't feel like they're being really taken care of. It feels like they're kind of shoved in a corner. I feel like, I mean, not to get on our left-wing agenda right away, but it <laughs> does definitely feel like these are the people who don't have family or money or anybody to visit them, so they're just shoved in a corner somewhere. Because I'm yeah. sure if, I'm sure these are not the people who get visitors, you know? Mm -hmm. These just feel like the forgotten people. They are probably experimented on and held for research, and all the worst things that you can possibly imagine. 
for a second when you said visitors, my brain was oh, like right, yeah, not out ghosts. of step I mean, because like, I was like, <laughs> yes. Does she mean ghosts? No, it's friends and family. I'm sure they don't have friends and family is what I'm saying. Right. Yeah. 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 I don't think so either because people would freak out. Yeah. So it's like super sad and uh, I hate it. Yep. It also brings into question, like, I love how creepy this is and how it sets, it makes the world building even worse somehow than in the book when it was just death that people worried about. But also, it's interesting because of Nori specifically, like this one person who is in this situation that we have a personal connection to through Lucy, because they chose not to kill her. And it makes me think they have a plan for her, because if they... Yeah. Even though she was not a character in the book, and that was not a storyline at all. And and then we see this, and it's reiterating what's going on with these people, and then that this ghost lock thing is, in particular is a problem. And I'm just curious about where they're going with this, or, or if nowhere. I don't know. Yeah, it feels tied to the problem to me. And then I like assume that maybe at some point, if one is solved, then the other could be solved, maybe. I don't know. Um, yeah. It reminded me, there's a other Netflix show called Sandman, where like hundreds of people fall asleep because the Sandman has been captured. And then once he's released, all those people wake up. But it's been like decades right? for them. It was kind of, that's kind of what I was thinking, I think. I'm going to get into some spoilers here. So if you haven't finished the books, my apologies. The thing is, as much as they do kind of discover the source of the problem, it's not like a fix. It's not like a, oh, we can just hit this button and everything's good. Yeah. It's like a, it'll take a while to fix everything and to get things sorted out. So I, I it doesn't feel like the type of thing where somebody's going to snap their fingers and everyone's going to wake up. Yeah. So I kind of like that, though. Yeah. Because like it would be like, oh, you went through everything and then. You, you can't ever get it all. There's something about that. Yeah. That, so um, is good. I, I'm just really interested to see where they take this storyline because it wasn't in the books. And so I have no idea where they're going with it. Yeah, it's cool. And then, and then we, we go to Deepak. I, I said that wrong. Um, <laughs> with Lockwood getting uh, grilled by Inspector Barnes. This is the first time we meet Inspector Barnes. I really love the casting that they did for him here. I've uh, I've seen this actor in another show that I podcasted about, actually. And I really like him. He's Yeah, he's good. He's a good actor, and he's such a dick here. <laughs> <laughs> he's such a dick he, here. He reminds me of, um, I mean, the character does, of, uh, I'm trying to remember, who is it in Sherlock Holmes, who's like the Scotland Yard guy, who's like... Uh, he's like the the counterpoint to yes. Sherlock because he's terrible at his job. Yes, I can, I I know who you mean, but the name is not going to happen. Yeah, um, yeah. I think that's like the archetype. I I like how the show handles his introduction a lot better than the book, where the book is fun because it, it like makes fun of him in the scene and makes him like really just look like a turd and an idiot at the same time. But this makes Barnes like pretty powerful, yeah. Uh, and like, like you said, a dick. Um, there are times when I do think that Barnes, like, is a good dude and his heart is in the right place, but he's just so far removed or so caught up in the system that he doesn't realize yeah. it's a bad system. This is not one of them, though. He's just a dick here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're not in charge. I'm in charge. Yeah, classic, 
classic. It's really good. Um, there's a thing about this scene, I, and I guess this comes down to the direction, that I thought was really interesting. It's like it's pretty quick, though, where they're shooting back and forth, where Lockwood is in profile, and then it goes to Barnes in profile. Mm-hmm. And usually when you do that, like the way that we see Lockwood, he's facing to the left. And usually the person is kind of like adjusted all the way to the right or or more to the right. Mm-hmm. But then in this, he's like, his nose is almost touching the left side of the screen. And then the opposite is happening with Barnes. And so like, if you overlaid them on top of each other, it's like they're facing away from each other. If you can see what I mean yes. by that. Yes. It's very cool. Like it, it gives the whole scene a feeling of like wrongness, but of like missing each other in a very like subtle way that I was like, this is cool. I I think a lot of this episode has a really interesting look to it. Yeah, like, I really they, like... They really went... They thought about it a lot in a way that's yeah. not just like aping the style of the first episode that I think is like... It's like expanding on it. Yeah, I, I know um, I wrote it down for later, but like I looked up the cinematographer for this episode and it is the same guy who did episode one. His name is Oliver Curtis. So it's... That's cool. It's interesting that he did both of them and it. We got these two different, like, distinctive feels. And we could put that mm-hmm. up to the director because the director is different. But um, cinematography is a lot of that, too. So it's interesting that he did two completely different feels like that. Yeah. The big thing in this scene, plot wise, that we need to know is that Lockwood owes $60,000. Right. Yes. In uh, 60,000 pounds. Um, um, 60,000 pounds. <laughs> you're right. Um, and he has two weeks to pay it back, which I just think is interesting because in the book it was four weeks and the show is like, no, no, we need this to be urgent. <laughs> Tighten it up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> More pressure. Yeah. Not that yeah. like in modern day like or in real world without an economic crash, I like 60,000 pounds is more than I would make in a year. Intensely more. Oh, so, yeah. It doesn't matter. It could be two days. It doesn't yeah. matter. <laughs> it yeah. could be like, yeah, it could be two years or two days. It's the same. It doesn't matter. Yep. So right after this, uh, Lucy knocks on the door to come home and we see George. I think this is, uh, well, this is the first time in like in real time, not flashback time that we've gotten George. It's the first time we see the two of them just talking. Just them. Yeah. And we can, that they're not the best communicators with each other. No, no. George is very upset and worried, which kind of underlines in this world what we were talking about last time, how there's no cell phones he has no idea what's been going on and he's just been worried out of his mind all night. Yeah. But also it's, it's interesting because I I feel like you're about to dive into this more than what I've written down, but George is a very facts person and Lucy is a very feelings person. So it it makes sense that their communication style would need some work. Oh yeah. This doesn't, yeah, it's oil and water. Yeah. Um, Which is really good for the scene. Mm -hmm. Like it's, there's a lot going on. Also, right when he comes to answer the door, the way that the shot is composed is like on the right-hand side, everything is uh, a mirror image of what's happening on the left-hand side because there's a mirror on the wall. Yes. And so he's like walking down the hall and you see the whole shot twice, which is, again, a mirror thing. 
that's happening a lot in this episode. But yeah, I think that a big, big change that's happening between the book and the show is that George is autistic coded in the show in a way that he's not in the book, I think. Absolutely. And I feel like a lot of George's uh, qualities in the book were played for laughs. Yeah. And in more than one way. And in the show, I like that they took a lot of the like stupid things that people would say about him in the book and then make it a real person kind of. Oh yeah. He's got, he's got more depth, I think in the show than in the book. Although I can appreciate in the book how, if somebody is like traumatized and bullied a lot, they can turn into a really mean person. Yeah, that's true. And, and George is kind of that way, but then he, when he has people that he's close to and friends with, he's like very fierce, uh, in his friendship with them. So I don't want to be like, George is a bad character in the book and they fixed him. No, no, But they no. just took those qualities. And like, like you said, they like retooled them in a way that is pretty cool. Yeah. I like George being kind of being, uh, autistic coded here. It, it opens up the world. I feel like makes, it just makes them all feel more real and makes their becoming a team feel like they feel more individual. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I just like it. No, I think it's way better. It And it gives like good reasons for the dynamics and stuff. So like specifically what I'm talking about here, if people don't know, is like George is uh, he's very anxious because he doesn't have information, which can be like a classic anxiety inducing thing in certain autistic people. Mm-hmm. And he gets like very literal in his communication. Yeah. So like Lucy is like, just give me a second, George, while she's like trying to get a drink of water and he like loses it and is like, do you mean a literal second or a metaphorical second? Because if it's a minute, I'll go and try and find information that's more useful than standing here and watching you. Um, <laughs> because he's like, he needs to be soothed. Uh, yeah. And he does not care how she feels. And he's like freaking out because he can see that she's been to the hospital and stuff. But he has no way of like communicating to her that he's freaking out. He's just more and more rude to her and is like give me what i need and is not like communicating with lucy on her level at all but also really really good like lucy is immediately like tell me more about this ghost tell me more and and won't tell george (laughs) anything give him anything like (laughs) like, could you could you just all sit down and have like a little bit of a this is what happened blah 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 yeah they're talking right past each other yeah that's good i mean I get, I do feel like at this point, Lucy is already sort of deep into her psychic connection with the ghost. So it's like all she can, like, like it's all she can focus on, even because I don't think under a normal circumstance, Lucy would do that. I think she would say, I don't know where Lockwood is. This is a problem. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. She's freaking out. Yeah. In a lot of ways, because she's got her mom on her mind, too, like in the right. back there, like, oh, God, she knows where I am. Oh, and also this this whole episode. And I'm going to talk more about it near the end is classic. Like if one of these things happened to me, I would have to be in therapy for life, you know, but this is just Monday for them. Oh yeah. This is, this is just another thing for them. (laughs) The, The other thing that I really like about George in this scene, because we didn't get, any of him in the haunted house Mm -hmm. is that like we see all of these competences around like what he does for the research side of things 
and like how good he is at what he does. Yep. Um, and uh, it's just like, he's like, why did you rush in there without me? It wasn't that like George is a coward and didn't want to be there or like he, you know, missed the appointment on purpose or something like that. He wasn't shirking his duty the way that Lockwood made it sound like in the previous episode with the chains. He was like being more diligent than Lockwood. Yes. So that like kind of recalibrates everything. And and then he's giving Lucy advice on Lockwood. He's like, yeah, you have to tell him no. That's what he needs. Yeah. You'll make him worse. <laughs> You'll make him worse. And that's when Lockwood walks in the door. Of course. And he he does make a good house on fire joke, which I appreciate. <laughs> yeah, he looks like hell. And uh and then we transition to a new scene in Lucy's room. I do just love how he compliments Lucy's unicorns and rainbow outfit. And it <laughs> it like doesn't even register in his brain that it's a hospital gown. He's just like, oh, didn't think you were a unicorns person. <laughs> I the the tone his voice takes and the way that he looks at her, then she kind of like shifts and like, mm. -mm. <laughs> it's so good. And I do also love that as much as they put her in this uh unicorn and rainbow hospital gown, it is still blue. Because, because yeah, Lucy that's her color. Only wears yeah. blue. So there have been two kind of, or this is the second fantasy English TV shows where a kind of lightish brown blonde main character only wears blue that I have done a podcast about, and it always reminds me of that that stupid like TikTok sounder. I don't know, maybe it came from Tumblr where somebody's like, "Well, I would have two nickels, which isn't a lot, but it's weird that it happened twice." <laughs> Yeah, they must. I guess they love that color on screen. I don't know. Is it? I talked about a lot of about it quite a bit when M Mandy and I did our Discovery of Witches podcast, and like, it doesn't bother me because I'm the type of person who has gone into their closet to find a gray shirt and pulled out two incorrect gray shirts first. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not. It happens, you know. It just. You find one thing and then that's what that's what you do. Yep. We'll talk more about colors later too with George. Yes. Which I love. So then yes, Lucy up in her room. Yeah, Lucy uh takes a bunch of the research up to her room and proceeds not to rest. She does change out of the unicorns and rainbows, unfortunately, but no. Unfortunately. And she never comes back. She pulls the daisies out of her pocket and still has the ring with her. And sort of tries to connect with Annabelle again. And we see all this water imagery. Like she holds up the glass and looks in it. And we sort of cut back to the water world. Yeah, there's this incredibly cool, like, mirroring of her image in each facet of the glass and yeah. stuff. And then it, yeah, it fully transitions into a vision again. Um, where she's underwater and you can hear the ghostly voice of Annabelle like saying, let me go, let me go. I'd meant to mention that that was the first thing we heard in this episode. Right. But it's Her. really hard to make it out if you don't yeah. know what she's saying. Yeah. And then uh, we have George walking in on Lucy in the bath. <laughs> right. And, like she's Telling her this is not normal. <laughs> the theme of this episode. <laughs> And, and like she's fully clothed, that's fine. But I do love when it, this episode in particular has a lot of like, it's weird that you live with your coworkers moment. Mm hmm. And like just 
generally like living with people for the first time young yeah. people stuff yeah yeah and i i love that because there are so many things where i'm like if that ever happened between me and my coworkers, i would quit i would just leave i'd be like nope we're out i'm never looking at oh, you again. yeah there's no way yeah i'm not uh i'm not getting soaked in front of anybody i work with That's yeah not i will just i will just go poor that's fine <laughs> <laughs> she also makes a tape for nori which is this really beautiful thing i think that happens yes i love the analog technology here of making cassette tapes mm -hmm. um, this is like the modern version of sending a voice memo or a voice message or something to your to your friend it's also just really good writing because it's a way to bring lucy's first person voice from the books to the show oh yeah right that's a good point but it doesn't feel yeah. weird or out of place or like a like a voiceover, even though it is kind of used as a voiceover in some scenes. It just works, and it's so good, and it showcases how much she misses Nori and how she still thinks about her and how she's still, like, the the loss there is still a part of her life. And it it's such a good way to get Lucy's inner thoughts out loud for the audience, but it does not feel contrived at all. Mm -mm. There's a super good moment, as far as that goes, where she stops the recording and opens the tape deck and then she continues to talk yeah as if she's speaking to nori and yeah. she's like i think i might be losing it i wish you were here with me i miss you so much and all of that kind of thing yes it's like really heartbreaking i i do also enjoy how she describes the boys <laughs> <laughs> the posh one who thinks he's and, uh, god's gift and the and his mate was his weird mate with zero social skills <laughs> just playing it honest that did go on the tape yeah it also, this uh, talking into the tape showcases how her connection with this ghost is stronger than any of her previous ones. Because like you said, when she says, I think I might be losing it, that, that, like, that this thing that she's going through right now is normal, or not normal, the opposite of normal, is weird and new yeah. for her also. Right. And she even says on the tape, she reminds me of you. Yeah. And so we get that direct connection between Annabelle and Nori. Mm-hmm. That is like beyond just the visual red hair and all that stuff. And also just like a young woman that the authorities did not help. Yeah. Yeah. The system fails her. Yeah. And also when, when Lucy is recording this, there's another shot where we can see like a mirror hanging on the wall and it shows Lucy from both angles while she's recording yep. her message to Nori. So again, it's like she, and she glances at the mirror over and over as if that is Nori in the mirror image. Oh, yeah. It's so sad. I also just yeah. love the shot that they do of Lucy's face. Well, of Ruby's face, whatever. Um, when she says, I miss you. Because it's like an awkward close-up. The angle is kind of weird. And yeah. it's, I like it because it's not trying to make the actress look perfect. Mm -hmm. And when you're alone in your room crying, you wouldn't look perfect. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's just like a small, stupid thing to notice. And maybe they didn't do it on purpose, but I really liked it. Oh, no, it's very vulnerable. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, I think that's totally right. This just when when I was really young and I'm old for like everybody listening, like I'm really old. I used to <laughs> ride on my dinosaur with Abraham Lincoln to school. Yeah, old. But I had like my best friend growing up. Uh, we used to on the weekends when I would stay the night at his house like record cassette tape radio shows like 
primitive podcast together <laughs> as just like making weird skits and shows and just having fun doing that. And uh, when I transitioned from junior high to high school, my family, my, my dad moved us to like across the country, like thousands of miles away without telling us that that was going to happen. So I never got to say goodbye. And we used to send cassette tapes to each other in this exact way because there was no internet. There was no Facebook. Yeah. And so like when she did this, I started crying. I was like, oh my God, I know this Lucy. Oh my God. I felt emotional. We get like a view of the finished tape later and she's like, decorated the case and written stuff Mm -hmm. on it and i'm like yep i've given and received mixtapes like you know that you've decorated for your friends or whatever it's very 90s very 90s thing i'm so glad now everybody listening knows how much older we are than them (laughs) (laughs) it's not even yeah you know like cdrs or anything like that it's like it's very old I, okay, I actually thought about bringing this up because we were talking about this earlier in the week about how the majority of the fandom that we interact with, especially on Twitter, is quite a bit younger than us. And I made a joke about us having to be fandom mom and dad. But right. I've changed my mind on this because the word mom and me, it's like, ugh, anti- and, and, oh, antithetical to my being. So I would like to be fandom weird aunt. There you go. There I you will go. buy you and your friends alcohol. <laughs> 100 percent. just ask me you can sleep in the back room it's okay yeah 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 i did also just want to mention that in the show they have decided that lucy's room is clean (laughs) while in the books there's a lot of point on lucy just being like a disaster like dirty clothes everywhere just a mess (laughs) and i hadn't thought about that i wonder if that's like a practical thing of we have to walk around in this room and shoot so we don't want to trip on stuff or and like, also just like things looking nice on tv like her room yeah. looks so cozy and homey and it, it would lose that like it always has the warm lighting and like it just looks so inviting and you would lose some of that if it was a mess uh my one thing about that is that kind of becomes like a plot or a character plot develop problem thing in book three so i'm interested on, well, if we get a season two, um, I'm interested <laughs> to see how they will replicate uh, certain feelings that come up in book three. Mm. And then we switch to Lockwood and George. This is a great scene. This is great. I will mention, first of all, though, that Lockwood doesn't have a tie on because this is his casual episode. <laughs> right. Open collar. Yeah kick him back i don't think we ever see him as casual in any other episode as we do in this episode i think you're right we might see him more vulnerable when he's had like he's been beaten up but this is his most laid back yeah well not like here and later when everybody's in their pjs yeah yeah can't wait to get there yeah Yeah, this is another like underlining that george is kind of autistic coded Mm -hmm. where lockwood is like mate you are not normal. You, I love you, but that's not who you are. And nobody is normal, which is such a great insight. And I love that for the leader of the group to yeah. be like, this is my worldview that like everything is crazy. And it's just a matter of like, I mean, this is his psychology just like written out for us. I love how self-aware he is Yeah, where he's just like, Hey, you just have to like 
make people feel like you've got it on lock, but nobody does. Yeah, he says his one line where he says everyone pretends that they've got things under control. It's all a facade. And it's so true. Yeah, and normal it, never fixed anything. And it's great how it's great having that said out there because it explains their relationship with people like Barnes, knowing right. that they think he is part of the facade. And that's why they don't care about his opinion. Yep. So George here tries to convince Lockwood that Lucy's got to go. She's a big problem for them. And Lockwood is like, I let me think about it. He does also have that line that he delivers perfectly. <laughs> he says, girls are funny about baths. <laughs> and it's so, he's just like, I don't know what to say about that. And I really don't think Lucy, what Lucy does in the bath is any of my business. Right. It's the most respectful way you can be like, stop it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. There's a lot of good things in this, um, in this scene. Also him mentioning their USP. I love that he's yeah. thought about their unique selling position. <laughs> like, it is still a business and we do need to make money. It shows that that's on his mind too, because we have yeah. this huge bill and he hasn't explained it to them yet. Yeah. And so it's, it's there for him. And before he says that he he'll think about firing her, he does say she's one of us. I'm sure of it. After telling George that he's not normal either, like none of us are normal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he reass he reassures George too that he's like you find the gold that nobody else does. Just like yeah. there's a lot of warmth here. You can feel their history, but you can also like just feel the coworkerness of it. Yes, that. Like George feels like he has a stake in this and like he wants the business to succeed and he is kind of thinking about things in that way. It's not that it's totally personal against Lucy or something like that. He's like, I don't understand her and she is causing problems. Like yeah. what is happening? And also mixing up their dynamic. Like somebody new is here. She's changing everything up. I don't know how I feel about this. Right. As somebody who hates change, I can empathize <laughs> with George there. Yeah. Then we get the ghost attack. Oh, I, this is the scene where we get where we see the mixtape and it does say to my best friend on it. Yeah, <laughs> it's so sad. I love their friendship, but Nori's dead. So like we don't even I know. get any more of it or not dead. But, you know, uh, it's sad. But yes, this is when Annabelle comes back, which is a great special effect. It looks it it's looks very great. cool. I love the frostbite that comes out of the or the whatever. Yeah, the, the, like the frost. Frosty bits. Like, yeah. Yeah. They do it over and over. It's a really good effect. Well, Lucy sort of says, you know, I can't help you if you hurt me, which mm -hmm. shows that she does have this or that she's trying to have a connection with this ghost. And she knows that Annabelle wants something and that Lucy is the only one who can get it for her. And then also after that, Lucy says, let me go. And it's that phrase that Annabelle reacts to. Mm. Right. Yeah. Because she says the thing that she's. Oh, man, yeah. I hadn't even thought of that. That's really good. That it, it is good, isn't it? And and that's when, like, the animal ghost freaks out and blah, blah, blah. Because before that, she was just looking at her and she probably would have let her go. Well, maybe. I like to think. Mm -hmm. She wanted that connection again. Yeah. She's like, yeah, she's hungry for it. This part in the book is a little bit different. And I wanted to talk about it because of our last episode where in the book, um, like, Lucy can't sleep. And the lights outside, the ghost lamps, uh, the way that they work is like every three minutes they kick on in a super bright light 
for like 30 seconds and then kick back off. And it's like keeping her up and her anxiety and all this stuff. And she talks about the ghost lamps a little bit. And I was like, how do those even work? And in the book, in this part, she like makes a point of saying that like the grownups who couldn't sense ghosts back when the problem first started were like, well, sunlight stops the ghosts. So like, what if we set up a bunch of like sun lamps all over the place and just had them turn on and kill the ghosts? And she's like, that would be great. Except that like ghosts don't walk around the streets ever because they're like tied to their sources and the lamps do absolutely no good. They're just like security theater. Right. Right. So I we, love that about the lamps. They just don't do anything. This is interesting, though, because both in this episode and uh, at the beginning of the third book, we do see ghosts just hanging around outside. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're around. Yeah. Yeah. They're definitely out there. But it's not like they're walking down the street like, am I going to break into that house or break into that house? Like the grownups don't understand how it works. That's true. But at the beginning of book three, there is a ghost just walking down the street. And like it's kind of played for laughs because they're trying to get into a, a house for a job, not a house, but like a building for a job. And they're talking to the adults who open the door and they keep looking over their shoulders at the ghost getting closer. And the adults can't see the ghost on. They're like, yeah, no, no, no. Everything's fine. We just, uh, you know, we would like to. Uh, <laughs> <yep."> <laughs> and I just I, I enjoy actually when people do like a world breaking thing just for a laugh. <laughs> Yeah, no, I love that kind of stuff. Uh, so then she runs into Lockwood's room to wake everybody up. And again, another perfect example of how living with your coworkers and like living with roommates in general is just weirdly intimate in ways that y you don't think about when you're starting, when you just like move in with somebody in a roommate oh, yeah. situation. And, and this episode in particular just does a great job of showing how they all get used to living with each other without like making it a point. It's really good. Yeah. And then when we're in our, like, the second set of episodes, it, it's not even a thing anymore. Because, like, the, the first three kind of had them all come together as a team and a family by then. So, I don't know. I think they do a good job with that. Oh, yeah. This episode, like, gels them, especially in the house together, I feel yeah. like. That's what this whole thing is doing. And, and Lockwood is like, get the boots. Yeah, and well, she's like, what? Okay, just before that, Lucy like is yelling at him to wake up, but she does also grab his hand, and that is the first time, and it like, it, it it's it's like it um, popped the cork, and now they will grab each other's hands, whenever they possibly can. Right. And as a person who is not a touchy feely person, I've, <laughs> it's just it's really good writing about showing their immediate connection, even when the two of them don't acknowledge anything else is that yeah and is, she she ran to his room and not george well that makes sense mm -hmm. but yes it, that that is a point also it turns out that it doesn't make sense though because lockwood doesn't have a damn thing to <laughs> right. defend himself with <laughs> i did mean it made sense uh relationship wise just because the last time she oh, and george talked yeah, they were arguing course. yes yes yeah she she wanted to go in there anyway. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then they throw the boots at George's door. <laughs> I love, I love how they get the humor in it, even in these tense moments. Is everything, I love everything about George here, how he comes out like, what? Like, why? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I hate you boots. both. What's going on? Yeah. 
no pants again. No pants. This again. is just how so he is in his room. Yeah. Uh, he has another. He has a 2000 AD shirt. Uh, I think I messed up last time. I was talking about the Steel Claw, and I didn't realize. Like uh, to me, that's a movie, but it's originally a comic book. Oh. And 2000 AD is like a huge British comic book. That's like. I guess the the thing that it's probably best known for is Judge Dredd. You've probably heard of Judge Dredd. Oh, yes. Dredd. I've seen the Judge Dredd movie. Yep. The original. There you go. And so he's like the character that kind of came out of those comics. And like George gotcha. is a big comic guy. So yes, this is uh, this is PJ's no pants comic book shirt. Love it. Uh, I do. I do love everything about the joke here where he's like, you know, 20 seconds, non-metaphoric, non-metaphorical calling right. back to earlier. <laughs> but I. I do want to say autistic. I, I love the joke from the book also that they cut where they're like, do you have anything? Cause we don't have anything. And, and book George is like, uh, I might have one thing, but he comes back just as decked out as show, 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 ah, show George. Yeah. He's <laughs> like dual wielding. Yeah. He's got bombs all over him. And it's good. Both, both jokes are good, but I, so I just wanted to acknowledge them. Oh yeah, this is this has so much book energy. This yeah. is the the humor from the book is completely intact. It's good. And then every, all of them are like in their PJs with like this makeshift weapons that they've found and now they have to work together as a team for the first time. And I there's a part of me that thinks like that Lockwood's like manager brain is like, "Oh, yes, good team building activity. Fighting a ghost in the middle of the night." <laughs> <laughs> this will cement our company and it does kind of it does the fight is so cool uh with mm -hmm. the camera work and stuff mm -hmm. i really love it it's very exciting they do a good use of like it's not like scary or creepy isn't the tone they're going for here but they still do kind of have jump scares but like jump scares for the characters not the audience yeah and so that works out well because you can feel that they are afraid even if it's not like a scary scene it's like thrilling and cool is yeah. how it feels to me um the three of them back to back with each other yes. and like looking in every direction yeah. talking to each other they still have all their character dynamics going on like sniping each other like you know how could she be here uh where is the sword what is what is going on and lucy yeah. being like oh wait uh maybe it is me yeah yeah they were really good like you could see the light bulb go off in Lucy's mind. And this is what we talked about last time where they're making like teenager mistakes. Yeah. This is the kind of good stuff that I really like. Cause she didn't, she didn't know that this was the source. She didn't think of it that way. She just wanted that connection with Annabelle to like figure out what was going on. Yeah. She didn't know it was the source when she took it. I like to think that some part of her did. Mm hmm. Because why would the connection be so strong if you didn't have her source? I say as though I understand everything in this world building that they've done. <laughs> I don't know. But but like it wasn't it wasn't what she was thinking. No, it wasn't her intention to be like, I believe this is the source. I think they say in the first episode, like 70% of all sources or something like that is the bones yeah. of the person. It's like almost never an object. It's really rare that it's like a thing. Yeah, but I mean, uh, but they figure it out and uh, get it under control. Yes, and then and 
Then we're in the kitchen and George has sadly put on trousers. (laughs) He does put on some pants. Thank God. Um, I I really love the blocking in this scene, which is maybe a weird thing to notice, but I love that George and Lockwood are like on one far side of the kitchen. Yes. Lucy is on the other side trying to talk them and convince them into her point of view here. And then eventually she kind of moves closer and then George switching sides, like physically Switches also. sides. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's good. so good. And it, it it seems like almost like the obvious cheesy option, but it I don't know. They do a good job with it. It works. No, it feels right. I don't yeah. I don't think this is cheesy at all. It's really good. I love Lucy making her case that she wants to solve the murder and Lockwood's like, what's the point? Like, who cares? But she's like telling him, you know, like, I feel this emotional connection and -hmm. again it like comes back to emotions for me like versus like the intellectual like for Lockwood this like this is waste of time it doesn't make sense it's not logical who cares and Lucy's in her feelings and this is like the important thing in the story is Lucy's feelings and also I, I do feel like this is where we finally see what the show is like it's a mystery yes you know what i mean yeah. like a murder mystery well i mean the second half isn't really a murder well it kind of is but uh i i do think in the first episode was a lot of setup and it worked really well and they did a good job of making it emotional and connected and like audience grabbing but it wasn't it wasn't what the show is going to be it's this mist we have to solve this murder mystery and yeah, I think that's interesting in a show that like in, if you hadn't read the books until you got to this bit, you might just be thinking it's a ghost hunter thing. Y- you know, I think that's super important. Yeah, you're totally right. It's um, I meant to say this like last episode, I just forgot. But it is it is exactly like what you're saying that a lot of times with these kinds of stories, it would be like, you know, Sherlock Holmes again with like Hound of the Baskervilles or you know, like Scooby-Doo or Nancy Drew or something mm-hmm. like that. It's like, oh, there's this supernatural confusing thing happening. And then we like logic it out to the point where we set a trap. And then we reveal like the way that it all really made sense all along. And like, that is the point of the story. But like this story starts at that end point where they already have all of it figured out. They know how to trap ghosts. It's going in the other direction of like the messy emotional space is the thing that this story is about. And like Annabelle's story, her feelings and how that relates to Lucy, mm-hmm. the effect that it's going to have on Lockwood and George. And like that that's where the meat of the story is for the first two episodes or four episodes. Uh, three. But yeah, I also like that it like these the small individual book mysteries that they have to solve kind of take place. And then there's the overarching mystery in the back of like, what the fuck is actually going on? Yeah. Which we sort we get sort of introduced to later in this episode also. And, and I think the two being introduced to sort of both the, 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 the mini mysteries as you will, and the overarching mystery in the same episode, I think it's just a good way to do it. And sh- like to show that that's what the plot is. This, this is where we're going individual smaller mysteries but also big picture mystery mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, there's a lot of stuff going on like everything is very multi-layered that's like why wow, yeah. this show is so good yeah 
But like in the scene here, Lockwood suggests that Lucy's formed a psychic connection with Annabelle. And then Lucy's like, yes, that's what it is. And like almost like she didn't know what was happening. And I like that. Mm. Mm-hmm. But then George kind of poo-poos that as weak science, which <laughs> I, I love. I love that he comes at it so logically and that because it works for him as a character and also, again, the world building that all of this ghost stuff has been figured out through logic. Right. And also that this kind of thing is like not very well researched because there's only been what, like one person really that has been documented to have these kind of connections with ghosts. Yes. And they don't understand how or why or what's going on with it which is interesting because it was like marissa fitz is is who you're talking about and she was one of the first people who could see and talk to ghosts and really discovered what was happening because so many adults uh like adults were just dying and nobody could figure out why at least i think that's how it started um Mm -hmm. and it's it's just interesting because she was sort of at the beginning of it and you would think that people would get more powerful. I don't know. It's, right. Yeah. You'd think it would happen more, Yeah, but it's like never happened again. And that's really weird. I, I guess I'm just interested in the science of all that and how, how and why, or we really don't in the books and the show, we don't really delve into what's going on outside of England. We barely mm-hmm. delve into what's going outside of London. Mm-hmm. So, yep. I don't know. I'm very interested in what's going on in the rest of the world. And if it's, if the ghost problem is just in England. That would be funny. <laughs> like not funny, but like it would be pretty weird. Well, like, I think it's worse there, but. Uh, it, spoiler, blah, blah, blah. It kind of makes sense for it to just be in England. Yeah. But then there are other things, or at least for like the capital P problem to just be in England, but they do have things from other cultures come in that show that ghosts are out there also and that there is things happening elsewhere. But And they've always kind of been out there. Yeah. Yeah, or I like guess maybe. Yeah, I guess we actually learned that in the second set of episodes. Yeah. Um so Lucy wants to try to connect with her again to figure out more about who the murderer is. Aquan is like, no, 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 that's too dangerous. Uh, but that and that's when George has his change of heart because he's like, ooh, science? experiment yeah I are we gonna be... do an experiment wait a minute yeah i'm in i could be the I'm one back to in. figure something out yeah in the book this is the other way around uh lockwood kind of pressures her to yes. do this and she doesn't want to so i think that's an interesting change i don't i don't know like i think it works um for lucy to be so into it i think it makes a lot of sense especially the way that they've tied annabelle to nori yeah and all of that kind of thing. I think it also sets um, up where they plan to take Lucy's character in season two. Yeah. 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 I think this is like looking at a, at a bigger story, like you said, yeah. uh, and the first book's just trying to get accepted and published and get people to like it. So it's like doing different. Yeah. Things. The, them not being able to, you know, like we were talking about last week with how they bought the rights and wanted to make it so long when the, when like when the first book came out, it, them having to wait until after all the books are out does give them the benefit of seeing where all the characters are going and the plot is going and being able to seed things in as early as they want. Yeah. Yeah. So this turns into like a little seance thing kind of. Yeah, it does. kind. Of, I never thought about that, but it does kind of have that feel. Yeah. 
Yeah, like she's a medium almost. Yeah. She holds the ring. It does the frostbite thing again. And um, it's like, to me, this is also like a, a psychic mirroring is happening here. Mm-hmm. Where like oh, okay. the images kind of come together. Annabelle and Lucy become one mm-hmm. in an important way. And uh, this is like really powerful. The way that she grabs onto Lockwood and she's like, you love me, don't you? And Lockwood is freaked out. And George is like, well, let, let's just see what happens. Let's just yeah. wait. <laughs> It's really good. I do love this is where we get Lockwood in a gray hoodie and like the most casual we've ever we ever see him. And I think that it's interesting that he's so casual in this scene where all this shit happens. And we get when he hands her the ring, they have that other their second hand touch of the evening. And then when she's like reaching out to him, their hands touch again. So that's three times oh, like in a one million night. times. Yeah. Yeah. And her hands are all over him. Yeah. It's Interesting, like I said, about popping the cork and then suddenly... Yep, yep. We find out that Annabelle was choked to death, which we did not know until this scene. And uh, she is, like, really feeling it. I think this is really important that it, like, is happening to her body. Yes. And that she feels like she is Annabelle now. It's not just Nori. Like, she has become Annabelle. Yeah, she kind of switches back and forth between first and third person. When she's yeah. like saying what's happening and it sort of ends with her screaming, let go of me. Right. And it's, is she saying that to her killer, to Annabelle? Yeah. To both. Um, it's good. It's, it's very cool. And also uh, Lockwood's face, like having to watch her starting to choke. It's so good. Cause he's just like, Oh, what the fuck? I can't do anything. <laughs> yeah. This is terrible. Yeah. It's really not good. But great. Wonderful. Oh, no, I love all of this is extremely powerful. Like, I think this really, really works. And, you know, Ruby Stokes selling it, owning it, carrying everything on her back. It's great. And then George, of course, having the one brain cell as per usual. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that poor chair really pays the price. And Um, and they set off a bunch of explosions near flammable (laughs) things again. And I'm like, dudes. (laughs) <laughs> you. I think those are just salt bombs. That's okay. They didn't put the magnesium right, of course. bombs over there. It does look really cool. It's awesome. But it's a, a good choice. A great, wonderful scene. And these two scenes really, really brought the team together, I feel, and set up who they are so well. And Lockwood is like, enough with that, and immediately puts the locket into, I mean, the ring, the ring. into a locket thing, and then puts that into another case and it's like we're putting that away and we are done this is not happening anymore yeah and this is when they find out that they have bills to pay Sixty thousand pounds and lossy uh lossy geez um <clears throat> and lucy putting her foot in it about taking out a loan against the house mm. <laughs> and being like this is all that's left of my parents and i think that is the first information about his past that we really get mm-hmm yeah, he weaponizes that hurt to be like, no. Instead of like having a conversation and telling someone you care about where your soft spots are. Well, he's he's a teenager, so. I know. It's good. Yeah. I'm, I'm into it. I'm just saying you could do better in the future. <laughs> uh, let's remember their trauma, though, because it's going to take a little while for him to do better. 
Oh, for sure. Yeah, that's why it's a good show. I don't want to watch like evolved people who communicate well and have good boundaries. That sounds boring. No, thank you. Um, there's like an excellent bit of technology here where Lockwood answers the phone and slowly draws out the antenna on this um, very slick, high-tech device that he has. This phone? That does not need a cord for the phone. It does more to set the like world building than any other one piece of <laughs> set. <laughs> It's so ugly. <laughs> yeah. You know this is a cool phone, though. You yeah. know that this is, like, it's part of, like, the posh house in the middle of London. Like, this is money. <laughs> and Deeprac is on the phone. It's, like, corded. It's bad. It's a bad phone. It, like, I don't know. There's just, like, a contrast happening there that I'm very into. Uh. The way he draws it out, it's like he's drawing his sword. The way he pulls that antenna out, I that, was just like, "That feels like maybe a choice good. Cameron Chapman made." You oh know, yeah, he was like, "I'm going to do this the same way I do the rapier." <laughs> <laughs> yep, I but I remember these phones that had like a gigantic antenna, and you yep. would like walk into another room and bang it on the door frame and be like, "Oh, whoops, yeah." Oh. Uh, mine, the one that we had when I was young was white and green, not gray and green. So it was also incredibly ugly, but it didn't have a, <laughs> an antenna you had to pull out. It was just like an always up antenna that was like three inches. Yeah. They got better. Yeah. Oh God. So ugly though. They're bad. <laughs> anyway, but the point of the phone call is of course that Barnes has figured out that Lucy does not have her grade four and needs to be fired. Yeah, this is not just like a little hiccup of a problem like you were saying in the last episode. This is like a serious uh, administrative, like they've broken the rules in a way that's like they're in big trouble. Yeah. like I, think I he, love this yeah. uh, like change in the world building and like the power this gives Deeprac and like the yep. pressure it puts on Lockwood. This is all really good. Yeah, there, it is just a good upping of the pressure like changing the four weeks to two weeks type of thing yeah so he's like pay these pay this huge bill by the way your team is busted yeah and that's when lockwood is like okay wait maybe we should bring the necklace back out but not actually just metaphorically <laughs> right yeah he's he needs uh he needs to figure out a way out of this problem and he's like maybe lucy was right they they make a trip to the library there's like at the beginning of this uh scene outside there's like mm -hmm. a super good moment that's like a really light touch of just a random character walking away from the camera across the three of them and she has like a rapier at her hip right that that's just like that's just this world like teenagers are walking around with swords yeah because that's what london is that i love and we see everybody, I feel like this is the first time that we see the team all together with their armor on is how I think about it. Like Lockwood is yeah. in his full suit. Also, he's got his weird squared off ties. Yeah. They, they weird me out. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> this is like a very, uh, these knit ties. I feel like these are his dads from like the 60s or 70s. You know or what some, I mean? Like, it, I don't and think he's I've... wearing them. I don't think I've ever seen anybody wear a tie that wasn't pointy at the end. Oh, really? So it just makes it make, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I don't notice people's ties usually. I, I also, I, I don't wear home. ties to work. So I don't like, leave I my house. A tie. So, yeah. 
um but maybe knit ties I'm... are a thing and this is like usually how they look they're like squared off oh but like usually it... you have your blazer closed so people can't see it so interesting i like it though it, it makes him it makes it kind of unique it's very distinctive yeah and then uh lucy is in my favorite of her outfits with her her blue romper uh she's so cute She's really good. And her, her blue and black jacket that we see a lot. And she basically just looks like a walking bruise, but <laughs> somehow like a cute one. I don't know. She's adorable. That um, coat is very cool. Yeah. And I love the tights under the romper. I don't know. I just, I love everything that they've done with her here. She just looks very Lucy. I don't know how to describe that. And then George looks like he's heading to the nearest spirit Halloween store. Yes, <laughs> he's got his pumpkin orange. Yeah, uh, I love his coat. It's a very cool coat. Looks very warm. Yeah, he looks great. Uh, like honestly speaking, I would probably be caught in George's outfit. Like that's what I would wear. So. Oh yeah, he like matches head to toe, which I feel like is another autistic coated thing. It's like his orange shoes, orange pants, orange shirt. He's like, yes, I know how to dress. This is how you do it. You pick a color, right? It like a hundred percent works. He looks great. Yeah, I I love all this walk and talk. Yeah. And going through London, this like feels very like we're in the world in a way that really works for me. Like we're not just always yes. in a set somewhere. It's yeah, great. I, I do like how much location filming they did. Yeah. And this is where Lucy has to be kept out of the papers. She got enough of that back home. Yeah. 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 I think so. Yeah, it must be because they're walking down the street. And then we're in the archives uh, researching Annabelle Ward. And they kind of changed who she was a little bit. Because I feel like in the book, you didn't find out about the whole Hamlet thing until later. Uh -huh. And she uh -huh. was more of just like a socialite who was around in a lot of rich people's circles, not specifically an actress. Yeah, I think her actressing is even like a part of the way she was being sculpted by her boyfriend. Like he was an actor and so right. he was like, yeah. So you. they've changed that around here and made it so that she was like a almost a star type of thing before she died, which I liked a little bit better. And it just sort of streamlines everything. And and it works with how they wanted to showcase the connection between Annabelle and Lucy, which George points uh -huh. out here about how Lucy was sort of emulating Ophelia in a lot of the weird things she was doing. Yeah, he literally uses the word mirror. Oh, um, yeah. And so like this, I think this was the point in one of my rewatch-ins that I was like, wait a minute, there's been so many mirrors and now they're saying it in the dialogue, like a real choice is happening here. Yeah. And he's talking about like how Annabelle's life started to mirror Ophelia in the play Hamlet. And so like everything is getting mixed up identity wise which is a thing that's happening for lucy too where her identity and annabelle's were mixed up yeah uh and then we meet kips we meet kips oh yeah and we find out that her boyfriend's name was oh, hugo right. blake yes which is hugo important. blake yes of course. But, but kips i love a good rivalry in mm -hmm. any show this is a great rival i think the casting is like really really good he looks nothing like how he is described in the book but i think the choice is like bullseye perfect yeah i i like him and i like the uh we'll talk about it more later but i like the change that they've made with him from the books because in the books he was yeah. already without his talent yeah 
he's like quite a bit older. Yeah. Which is hilarious when you think of this like adult man having this rivalry with like a 16 year old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really pathetic. Uh, yeah, here it's it's really good. Um, I love the wink that he gives to Lucy. He's just vile. He's oh, just when like, he calls her sweetheart. I want to like. Oh. <laughs> uh, Lockwood has one of the best moments in the show here. I think the, where you need a ladder. You need a ladder. Yeah, classic. Good, classic. Um, and he says, you know, her name, my name, get it right. Yeah, and then. They just like leave and he's like, that guy's a prick. Don't worry about him. He doesn't matter. An irrelevant prick. Yeah. An irrelevant prick. And then this is, this is one of my favorite moments when Lockwood is like, I have to go do something. Here's some money. Get dinner. And Lucy and George are just like, oh, <laughs> very awkward. Like this is Lockwood being like, OK, we did the team building exercise, but yeah. now I need these two to team build. Yeah. While and, I go. <laughs> and George's whole Italian and Lucy, do you mean pizza? Like, it's so teenager. It's so good. Very, very good. I love an Italian restaurant. They sit outside in the alley or something, um, which is also really, really good. Yeah. And then and they have their their sort of nice bonding moment when they finally are able to communicate with each other. And I really like it. I love this. The way that Lucy, like, finally connects to him. Mm -hmm. um, she does this little thing where she, like, scooches closer to him and is, like, really listening about his family and his work history and stuff. Yeah. That he's not just being a jerk. Like, they just misunderstood each other this whole time. And they're really figuring each other out. It's beautiful. And this is when we learn that George you know, has a great family that he loves. But he was like, I can't, I, I have to figure this out. Like, this isn't, the world is not okay. And so he like yeah. volunteered to get involved in all this. He calls himself here a weirdo that, like he says, what does he say? It's like, um, engineer, 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 weirdo. Weirdo. And to me, that was like, Oh, George, you're autistic. Yeah. Like they don't have autistic in this world, like the same way they don't have cell phones and stuff. You know, like he doesn't have the vocabulary for it, but he just knows that there's something about him where he's not fitting in, even in his family, even yeah. though he loves them and like it's a good family. And he's just like, I'm just obsessed. I don't know. Um, and I'm like, George, you're autistic. It's love you, buddy. Yeah. Um, and it, and yeah, when Lucy's like, have, so you've always been a little bit, and, he, and she doesn't quite know how to finish a sentence, and he's like obsessed. Yeah, and yeah, he's, he's like uh, enthusiastic about it. I like right, that. he's not. Yeah, <clears throat> that's why I love him. He's not apologetic about it. He's like, yeah. yes, this is who I am. And it's then, really, really good. Yeah, so we find out that he got fired from Fitz for invest for basically investigating and like trying to figure out things that he wasn't allowed to see and stole the skull on his way out. Yeah. That's when she like is interested. Yeah. We get, um, another change to George's character there where she uses his last name, uh, oh, George yeah, Kareem. Kareem instead of, uh, yeah. Covens in the book. Covens, yeah. uh, which I, which I like. Yeah. As well. Tiny then, little things. Yeah. And then, we have the great sort of 
conversation where Lucy's like, do you think we're being lied to about everything? George is like, of course, but by who and why and what can we do about it? Right. And this is this is our introduction to the overarching mystery that I was talking about. Mm hmm. It's great. Yep. Because who are they being like, who is lying to them and why? And What can they do about like, I'm interested, too. I love that George is already on the trail of all this stuff. Yeah. And then him opening up about his past and stuff. Then has Lucy opening up about hers, which she hasn't even done with Lockwood yet. So that's interesting. Yeah, it's good. The tightness between them. There's like there's a lot of healing that happens here that I love a lot. I really, really love this scene. I think it's also important for her to talk about like that she feels responsible or like other people have told her that she's responsible for her team dying. Yeah. I think that's important for a scene that's coming up as far as like how the mirror works and all that mm-hmm. kind of thing with Hugo Blake. And I I do also enjoy how George here says, you know, is he who he dreamed who you dreamed about coming to London with? When she talks about her friend who had conspiracy theories, just because right. it shows that some time has passed and like they've had conversations we haven't seen and and that sort of thing. But he didn't feel like he could ask these questions. too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then I think we see Lockwood on the news and Barnes angry about it. Yeah. And we um in the house, we cut to Lockwood being on the TV, but it's like a TV VCR. Which, again, is like super expensive, cutting edge technology. I had one. It was because I had one. Me and my friends used to hang out in my room a lot watching anime. Oh, yeah. I had to buy one in college because I needed the ability to play tapes. Oh, God. It was a huge part of my budget. Had to go into that very expensive piece of technology at the time. Anime was such a problem in the (laughs) 90s and early 2000s. (laughs) And now I just have Crunchyroll on all my TVs. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> and so, but with the Lockwood on the news, we also cut to Barnes and his assistant lady, not assistant, his deputy? I deputy, I think. Yeah. That I sounds, love her. I don't know. The word she deputy sounds so very good. American to me, but I don't know. Um, Ward, I think is, no, no, that's Annabelle Ward. Um, it's something. No, like I think that, that's though. right, actually. I think her... Her name is Ward. Oh, that's going to bother me now. Uh, yeah. Um, um, yeah, she's she's Sergeant. Oh, no, Sergeant Wade. Wade. I was close. close. Um, I, I, I really love her, and I wish we got to see more of her. Somebody on, I think it was Tumblr, posted like a well-done headshot of her or something. And God, this show made her look much uglier than she really is. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I, I think that's a Jenny, choice. Yeah, she is very pretty. Yeah, yeah. she <laughs> she's just like she's just kind of like a yes man to like he's like, am I right to be mad? And she's like, he's a little shit. <laughs> it's like it's very grown ups yeah. versus teens. It's so good. But also it's like Barnes feeling like he has to defend Deep Rack. And a part of me who feels no loyalty to my own uh, employer whatsoever. It's like, what has Deepak ever done for you, Barnes? Why do you care so much? Why yeah, do you nothing. actually care it's, about these kids? It's your uh, identity, dude. You have yeah. to like put it down. And then we see yeah. Lockwood on the news doing exactly what Lucy asked him not to. Good job. Yeah. And so, and this is also when he calls her 
uh, you're our biggest asset is what he says. And obviously that is very triggering to Lucy and she storms out and then she eavesdrops on George and Lockwood. And I love this because Lockwood just does not understand what he's done is wrong because it's exactly what he would have wanted someone to do for him. Right. Yeah. He's like, I put the spotlight on her. Isn't that the nicest thing you could ever do for someone, no matter what they told you otherwise? Yeah. Even and George gets it. He's like, no, dude. <laughs> no. Yeah, I, to be fair, he did also have the, like, he wanted Lucy to be needed because Barnes was threatening, you know, was telling him he had to fire her. So he was specifically trying to make it so that, like, he had some other motivation, but also he just did not understand that that was not what she wanted at all oh yeah we are kind of beating up on lockwood but i think this is a brilliant move on his part mm -hmm. as like a pr strategy yeah. to deal with like what's happening lucy is very upset for like all kinds of real reasons but strategically lockwood has made like a really great move and the fact that barnes is pissed off about it yeah. is like evidence that that's true yes um, and, and Lucy stays to eavesdrop just long enough to hear Lockwood say that George wanted him to fire Lucy. And of course, she walks away before she can eavesdrop on both of them saying, no, we're not going to do that. Yeah. Classic. Classic. Uh, yeah. And she specifically says to him before she leaves that, like, she's scared that Blake could come after her. Right, she's like, yes. what if that happens? Like, did you really think this through? And Lockwood's like, eh, we would protect you. It's no big deal. But it, you kind of get the sense that maybe Lockwood didn't think about that, that he was just trying to solve one problem and didn't really think about, like, they're putting a target on themselves for a murderer. I, from this and from things that happen later, I don't think Lockwood cares that much about putting a target on all three of them. No. So even if he did think about it, I don't think he would have been worried about it. No, I agree. Uh, so then we cut to Lucy angrily practicing with the rapier. And this is when we get our second song by Bauhaus. This one is uh, Stigmata Martyr, which is a really fun, angry song to listen to. Uh, I was listening to, to it while I worked the other day. And it made me very angry about other people's money, which is what I work with. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if anybody out there ever wants to like really, truly believe in their soul, how fake money is going to finance. <laughs> oh yeah. I, it's all just numbers I can't on even a computer. be in that world because of how much I think money is fake. It yeah. just makes me crazy. I can't do it. One time I accidentally created over a million dollars in our system. Oh, whoops. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was fun. Just not real <laughs> at all. I hate it. This, this moment where she's like doing the steam monster practice thing mm -hmm. has one of the best transitions in the show. I think where Lockwood is like, well, I'll go talk to her after she cools off. Yes. And then she's just like, the music kicks in and she's screaming and like swinging her sword. She does this extremely cool, like she bends backwards fully and rests on her offhand while she swipes through the air yep. and spins around on her knees to face the camera. And it, like, she's a badass. It's so cool. And it's, it's really good because we haven't gotten to see her be a badass yet. I, you know, she's really new to the agency and she's definitely been kind of holding back. And so I like that we get to see her be really good here. Yeah. And her whole thing that she's in trouble for is she doesn't have her level fours, which is like you're a fully accredited sword master. And like, clearly, 
she knows what she's doing. Yeah. Uh, and then she walks over to look at the locket with the ring in it, and she is totally not going to do something idiotic here. <laughs> yeah. Only good choices in this house. Yeah. I mean, I guess it turns out good, but yeah. Deeprac uh, knocks at the door with, uh, we just said, with Sergeant, Sergeant, oh, Sergeant Wade, Wade knocks yeah. at the door. Yeah. I forgot her name already. It's terrible. <laughs> It's too close to Ward. Why would they do that? Mm -hmm. Like, they could have made out something completely different <clears throat> instead of messing yep. it up for us. Um, <laughs> this trip fault. to Deeprec is the first of, I think, two scenes in the series, two, like, extended scenes in the series, where in the book it was all three of them. But the show was like, no, 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 we need it to be just the two of them for the tension. Yeah. I love the way that the building looks, all the black and white. Yep. Um, the white floors, the black stairs like all of this it's like extremely good there's like uh propaganda all over the place yes like uh, badges on the walls and stuff yeah uh, that cat flyer <clears throat> that you sent me from twitter oh, <laughs> that's so weird what who it was some somebody who works for the show posted that <clears throat> i think it was the director of the episode um posted on twitter it was like they had actually printed out propaganda. You can't even see it in the shot, really, where it says, like, cats are afraid of ghosts. Are your cats, cats running I, I away? Pulled it up. I pulled it up. Cats can sense ghosts in 1.6 seconds. You may not notice until it's too late. Keep to right. curfew. Stay alert. Get a cat. I made up the get a cat. Um, Be scared. Uh, and yeah. it's, like, so clearly aimed at adults yeah. in the adult culture that's helpless and can't you know, sense the ghosts and everything. Yeah, it's good. More ghost propaganda. I need yeah. that. And we, I will say, just because we were a little bit hard on, on Lockwood earlier, he does try his best to, like, not let Lucy get taken away by Deeprac here. But Barnes is just like, no, sit down, shut up. We just want Lucy. Yeah, I'll put you in a jail cell. Like, yeah. you have no power. Barnes is such a dick here. Like, I, in the books, and somewhat in the show, I do come around on Barnes a little bit, but right here, he's, I feel like his ego has been threatened and he's just taking it out on this young girl. And yeah, it, I, you're going to talk more probably about the Hugo Blake in the mirror thing. But what really got me in this scene is Lucy yelling, let me go over and over again, the same way that Annabelle was when she was being choked. Yeah. And it's terrible. And I want to, and he's doing that to her. He's doing, yeah. Barnes is doing that to her. Yeah. And I hate, I hate him here. I think that that's on purpose too. Like I, I was, I was kind of misunderstanding or misreading the scene. And I feel like this comes from reading the book that it was like, he really was trying to get evidence, but it didn't work out. But I, I think it's what you're saying that like, yeah. this is more about like trying to get under her skin. And then he gives her that pass and he's like, leave town. Like, I think that's the point of this for him. It's not, he knows that he's not going to get any evidence out of her. Yeah. He wants to like fuck with her head and make her leave Lockwood on her own and not even have to worry about her getting fired. I, I can believe that there is a part of Barnes that when he tells her to leave town, um, that is in the right place that thinks he's telling her to go home because yeah. she will be safer there. But he has no idea what her home is like. None of Deeprac was there in that small town you know oh no he, yeah, out for the he kids doesn't care there. he he doesn't know what it's like at 
And a part of me wonders, like, when she walks out of the cab later, if Lockwood hadn't convinced her to stay, she probably just would have walked around until she was killed by a ghost. And that would have been yeah. Barnes's fault, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And- <sighs> 100%. Yeah, because he scares her and makes her feel like, yeah, you can't be a part of this anymore. Yeah. A hundred percent. And she even says that to Lockwood, like I would be better off dead. She left that cab to die. Yeah. And it's because of what happens here. It's really fucked up. And this, I think that was the point of what he was doing. He wasn't fishing for evidence. No. And it, it really changes Barnes. Yeah. He's a, a bad guy. Um, and he's not just like an incompetent adult. He's like a malicious part of the machine. Yeah. And they like try to walk that back later. And maybe Barnes himself kind of has a uh, see the music moment. I was trying not mm-hmm. to say come to Jesus moment. <laughs> and I don't <laughs> think it works. See the music worked. is certainly yeah. a phrase. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, you know what I'm saying. Uh, yeah. But I, I will find it much more difficult to forgive this Barnes than book Barnes. Yeah, yeah. He's a real bastard. I, I do like, and it's the same kind of thing in Sherlock with this type of character where those institutional characters like become a, like a kind of a part of the team, like your greatest enemy becomes one of your allies just because they like come to respect you and stuff. I like those kind of arcs, but starting off here, like this, we're deep in that arc. He's got a long way to go. Yeah. Well, and that sort of happens with a different character in the books. So it'll be interesting to see how that happens on the show too. If we, ever get it (laughs) i hope we do Uh, but yes uh you're right that this is like the mirror climax right yeah um they've sit her down in front of the one-way mirror and when they turn on the lights they've staged it in such a way that he like her image is like a ghostly image over him their eyes are in the same place their head is in the same place and so it's like she is Hugo Blake kind of like she's looking at herself. And if you think Mm -hmm. about that connection to Nori and like Mm -hmm. the feelings of responsibility for her team and stuff, um, whether those, you know, I don't think that she is responsible for what happened, but she feels that way. And so it's like, she is the person who hurt Nori in her mind, which is Hugo Blake who she felt like, was choking Annabelle and like, it's just the clash of all these different identities happening to Lucy. And she has a complete existential freak out here. Yeah. Also like, I love the way this scene looks and how creepy and how you can really feel how terrified Lucy is like almost more than she was when she was in a room with an, like in her bedroom with Annabelle Ward's ghost, which yeah. is interesting. But also why is this man being so weirdly threatening? I know. <laughs> It's very strange. Like where he's just like, like pounding on the glass. Like spoilers, he's not the murderer. But right, <laughs> so he's <it's> so weird. <laughs> he's like, this is my one moment to freak out a person on the other side of this glass, and I will not miss it. You're a weirdo, Hugo Blake. It's a great scene, uh, but it makes no sense. No. And then, yet, yeah, as he's like telling her to leave and basically cementing her like death wish, Barnes is acting super friendly, and I want to punch him in his fucking face. Uh, he thinks he's helping. He thinks he's totally wrong. It's bad. And Lockwood doesn't get it. Oh, no. He's so trying to be so reassuring in the cab. And Lucy's just like, fuck this. I'm out. 
Speaking of the cab, I just want to say that like in the Lockwood and Co. universe, I feel like these are the bravest people on Earth. The cab driver. Yeah. This is like a crazy job. You must. I hope you get paid more than nickels or whatever. Like, I feel like these guys cannot be paid enough. Yep. And and I think they don't really go into it in the show, but in the books, they talk about how the nightcaps are specifically for agents to get around and get to their jobs and then. You know, like get back to DPRAC or a hospital, you know, if they have to afterwards. That's another job, like ambulance drivers, I'm sure, because they're still needed Ugh. in the middle of the night. And that's. I wonder but if you're they, probably walking into a really bad. Yeah. Potentially like ghost situation, you know, there must be like agents also stationed on ambulances and stuff. Because mm-hmm. uh, that that would be the only thing that would make any sense. Um, but yes. And then they do say that the cabs are like they have iron in them and like the glass is silver glass and all that sort of thing. Right. So there are they are protected in the car, but it's still got to be scary. And I'm sure I'm sure they have to have a memorial every month for the people who've died at their cab business. For sure. Yeah, yeah. it's terrible. It's terrible. It's terrible. Anyway, um, this is like a huge climax. Uh super important scene i've derailed us into cab driver world building but it's it's so interesting to think about how fucked up this world is because it it's very bad it really it lends itself to george's whole point earlier about how this is not okay and no one is doing anything about it i think the best thing is just to be born rich and stay rich yeah that's that's, probably the best thing you can do i mean in any world really in any world that's the best thing so yeah, Lucy storms off and Lockwood is like, um, it's dangerous out here. Could we, could we have this argument in the cab? <laughs> <laughs> and then I do love when she says like, you only kept me on because I'm an asset. And he says, or maybe this was about like the asset thing comes up again. And she mentions the TV thing. And Lockwood says, I, I said, I'm sorry about that. She's like, no, you haven't. And I just wrote down Ugh, men. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I said I was sorry, and she's like, "You did not." I, I could just like, see him oh thinking, my well, God, I, I thought I was sorry, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> but I did think it, Lucy. Yep. <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah, that this is a really good argument. Yep. Um, I love she says to him, and this reminds me of the fight that she has with her mom in the previous episode. She says you might be able to turn your feelings on and off like a tap, yeah. but I am drowning, uh, which goes back to that water imagery. Yeah. And, uh, and Lockwood like comes clean with her and she's like, it would be better if I was dead. And he's like, I felt that way too. And then I like love, all of his bullshit like yeah. breaks down here. I love that scene between the two of them. Uh, because I remember like having read all of the books when I saw this scene, I remember thinking, when she said, I just feel like I think I'd be better off dead. I remember thinking, oh, oh, what's the, what? yes, Lockwood feels that way too. And then him, that like understanding coming over his face and him saying, I understand that. It's so good. And it's so like setting up where the characters go. Like it's, yeah. a, and, and the, the actors do a great job with this scene. And I love it so much. It's really, really good. Yeah. This is stronger even than the conversation that she had with George. Yeah. And like, yeah. The, the way the walls break down between them. She demands that he never lie again. He tells her she's not 
an asset at all. She's a huge liability, <laughs> which is like somehow <laughs> That's good. true romance. It's like really yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> I do also like when he says like, we can't let you go. And she's like, why? And he's, he doesn't really have an answer other than because you're Lucy, you're Carlisle. Lucy Carlisle. Yeah. Oh, good. And, um, and then of course he has that, great line where he says you know they bend the rules all the time why can't we change the rules and lucy yeah, says screw the rules because we're nobodies and he's like no we're not and i love that it's really good this is great it like fixes everything yeah and then they are in a nightmare yeah. meadow or something in the middle of the town <laughs> tyburn gallows or whatever i don't even know if it's, that's a real place it's a bad place um yeah. and this of course when they turn around to see the ghosts is when they grab each other's hands again for the fourth time this episode so yep i uh yeah everything about this scene is perfect it's this so is good the, yeah one of the huge climaxes of the show this I, I feel like this episode is just like loaded with iconic moments yep it does so much work this is such a beautiful scene. It like lays all of the foundation for their relationship. Yeah. As like a real thing. This is now they're like building on something real after this. It both like between the two of them and like between Lucy and George and between all three of them as a team. Yep. It's so good. It all comes from, from this stuff. So they do make it back home. I like that. We don't have to see every second of that. Mm -hmm. We just, Managed to get back home. They can't get in the front door because it's been locked from the inside. But just before that, we get that scene of George being grabbed from behind. And that's the scene where I literally thought to myself, I would need therapy for life if that ever happened to me in my own home. (laughs) And for them at the end of it, they're just like, well, that's better than a, or this was more exciting than a night in. Like, yeah, right. Your lives are messed up. (laughs) <laughs> I would never feel safe in my home again. Yeah, would, I'd, be like, I'd have, have to move. Yeah, exactly. We'd have yeah. to move. We would need 10 locks and yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there's an intruder and then a forest by the cure starts playing and that's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. Uh, but that is, that is the song that is missing from the official playlist. So, and it's oh, like yeah, one of my favorite ones. It's and really, really good. It's so good. I sent you a message. I was reading the book, you know, just to compare. And like when the home invasion happens in the book, I was hearing that song in my yeah. head. And I was like, this is so weird. It's cool, though. It's such a good song. And it fits the seed so well. And I it's do. It's really good. I love that we have this opportunity here for the three of them to work as a team again and defend their home together again. And I like that and this one comes after all of their like heart to hearts that they've had in this episode and they're all like fully dressed this time and everything (laughs) and i and it seems like a small thing but like lucy remembers to grab george's glasses for him yeah that's really good the team up is excellent i love when she um there's a weird moment where she like when she's running to get george Uh uh-huh um down the stairs she like dodges the uh attacker has a sword and tries to stab her oh and breaks and the she, mirror she breaks the mirror and it's yeah. like the whole thing is like broken like no more no more of that identity stuff i know who i am this is my home these are my people i'm i'm me 
I'm That's Lucy. good. I, I do also love that when she finds George in the basement before untying him after he's been like kidnapped, basically, she still has to get a dig in when she's like, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just like, that's, that's some sibling energy right there. Yep. <laughs> yep. That's good. <laughs> I love, they come up the stairs and, um, and like Lockwood's been reduced to fighting with an umbrella and yeah. they, like disarm them with the chains and like you see everybody fighting together. They're like little badasses. It's so good. And then they have that power shot where, yeah, uh, you know, Lucy holds up the rapier, George holds up the chain, Lockwood holds up the umbrella, and it's the so umbrella. <laughs> it's perfect. And then I love it. They nope out the window. They're like, uh, uh-uh, can't do it. But then we never talk about that window again. Like that is w- with ghosts yeah. and stuff. I think that is a serious safety concern. But whatever. <laughs> I'm sure they get it fixed the next day. That must have cost some money, though. They're having money troubles. Whatever. That's true. Homeowners policy. Yeah. Um. I, yeah. Maybe their insurance did cover that. And then George thinks the necklace was taken, but then Lucy has that great face. <laughs> I love it so much. But she's Lockwood's like, smile too, oh where he's God, like, yes. "Yeah, yeah, it's so good." And oh, and George does say, or somebody says, that's not your normal face. And just with normal being <laughs> such a theme in the episode, also, I love it. <laughs> oh, true. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not your normal face. And also, my favorite line, I think, in the entire show is George yelling, You lunatic. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> when you think about it, she wore that to Deeprac. She was like, yep. I'm going to go into yep. the belly of the beast with a fucking... With, with the source that they stole from <laughs> the, the crime scene that Deeprack has pissed at them about. Yep. And, and like, like when she just walked violation. off into the night. Yeah. Just whatever. Well, it's good. It's really good. It is lunatic. And, and Lockwood is so happy. <laughs> He's got like the craziest grin we ever see on him. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. And then ending yeah. on the almost F-bomb is also very good. It's fun. It's very hard not to keep watching. Like yep. after the way that that whole ending rolls, I'm like, oh, go to the next one. It's yep. so, so strong. Yep. But that's a wrap. That that was this episode. Terrible waste of time. Meaningless episode. That was so bad. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. <laughs> Yeah, they should cancel this show. It's terrible. Oh, <laughs> uh, how could you say that? My heart. Um, it's uh, really super strong. Yeah. Incredible. So I think that there is only one answer to most punk rock moment, uh, especially since this is the episode that inspired me to text you on a random Thursday and say <laughs> we should do most punk rock. Um, and it is, of course, George saying, fuck my nice family. <laughs> I'm I'm getting involved because, uh, nice. you know, like I have this cushy home life, but I reject that I'm going into the belly of the beast and I'm solving this problem because nobody else is. That's I love George is the most punk rock. Yeah. But like I remember just watching that scene and being like, dude, because he even mentions that his home is in like a safer area. And mm-hmm. he was just like, nope, screw that. Uh, did you have a different opinion, though? I don't I've I felt like the the speech where that whole thing where Lockwood is in the in the park with her 
Yeah. And he's like, screw the rules. Yeah, we that, can rewrite the rules. That was good too. When I was like, oh. I didn't think of it when I was taking my notes, but when we got to it, I was like, oh no, this is pretty punk rock too. It's the moment where like, like Lockwood wins my heart. I'm like, he keeps, he does it at like every episode. I'm like, I'm always wary. I'm like, you're too cool. You're too slick. And then he says stuff like that. And I'm like, yeah, you're dreamy. You're awesome. <laughs> I do. I do think Lockwood's, he is very cool and slick, but it, it does come from a place of, I have to be cool and slick. Yes. You yeah. know, so it's not, it, it's less douchey than it could be. No, he's not cool. Kips. He's yeah. like, he really has it. And he really believes what he's saying. Quill is a really good foil for him, especially in the show, I think. He's so good. Nice. Well, that was our thoughts on episode two. If you have any thoughts, you can reach out to us on Twitter at Lockwood Podcast, because we are the only one. It's true. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter uh, at Inferior Caitlin. Uh, you can send your longer thoughts in an email form to contact at hollowedgroundmedia.com or visit our contact page at hollowedgroundmedia.com uh, and please because this is like our second episode if you can rate and review the show that really helps us out uh, share it with people on social media we'd really appreciate that yeah and remember what the f-